What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today, today is Friday, July 1st, 2022. It is training camp month. And today on the podcast, we're taking a look at all of your questions, topics, and hot takes. Powered and Pot, our weekly mailbag, bringing us home here on a Friday. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Your host here on Locked On Dolphins today is the mailbag edition. Every week we do Power to the Pod, which is all the things that you want to talk about. We talk about them here on the show. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today, Friday, July 1st, 2022. We are a little later in the day than we normally are, but that's because I had to buff out about 45 minutes out of my day to listen to Tua Tagovailoa and Tyreek Hill. It needed to be said. So a uh, very good look at that relationship, that young relationship between Tyreek Hill and Tua Tagovailoa. You're getting a chance to see that Unfold in real time and Tyreek Hill with It Needed to Be Said, his new podcast. Would definitely recommend that be something that you guys check out this holiday weekend. So now, with all that out of the way, uh, we have power to the pod. We have several questions to get into, including one which I, I did cheat. I looked ahead uh, and I've done a little bit of research on. And uh, it has to do with said quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this thing. Let, let's talk about power to the pot. Uh, our first question today comes from Al Dolphin. Listener since day one, never miss an episode. Question is, while our confidence in the added pieces to the offensive line are valuable, there seems to be a high level of unrest. Should we be comfortable going into camp with that room right now? Uh, my question to this answer would be no. Um, if you can find a veteran offensive tackle, particularly somebody who has experience playing right tackle, uh, just to add a little bit of stability in the event of an injury, I think that's the big question, right? Is we are a Teron Armstead injury away from your offensive tackles being the offensive tackles you had last year, uh, with the exception Jesse Davis not here, but Lee Mikenberg and Austin Jackson. Uh, potentially playing both tackle spots, right? If Teron Armstead were to get injured, you have Austin Jackson presumably at right tackle based on, on the trends of this offseason. Uh, Liam is contending to start at left guard, but if he starts at left guard and then Teron goes down, take Liam and move him outside, and then you either put Michael Dieter or Connor Williams there and then put Dieter back at center. And uh, just that whole musical chairs thing is a little unsettling. I would agree. Now, I love the talent acquisition. Uh, I think the young guys having another year to get better and having a better coaching staff at their disposal to develop them as talents, plus a more well-thought-out and uh, engineered offense in general, should also help. I, I think there's enough here that you can point to to say, hey, there's reasons to be optimistic about the young guys, and we're not going to go ahead and call this a, a total loss with these players if Teron Armstead does get injured, but I would not be resting on my laurels. I'd be exploring uh, trade opportunities for swing tackles. I'd be exploring the free agent market to see what's still out there. And here's one thing you do know. Chris Greer 
notorious for doing this. He's notorious for churning the bottom of his roster. So whether it comes at the start of camp or it comes upon roster cutdowns when it's time to start the season, I would not be surprised if Miami gets a little insurance for that spot because that is the spot that I look at the roster right now and I see a potential troublesome trend. Our next question uh, is the one that did require some legwork. It's from GM Hindsight, uh, and he is from Sweden. Hello. Uh, Shena, Kyle, is what, what he greets me with. Uh, means what's up. Following up on a Power to the Pod question from last week, if Tua finishes 2022 with 3,800 yards, 30 total touchdowns, and less than 15 turnovers, does he get the fifth-year option picked up, or does he get a second contract? I am unsure, uh, and I've gotten probably six or seven questions about contract extensions for Tua Tunga Valoa over the course of the month of June. And I don't know where it's come from, uh, but you're going to have a really hard time convincing me that's the right pathway to take, no matter how Tua plays this season. Uh, if Tua produces that line, 3,800 yards, 30 touchdowns, less than 15 interceptions, and let's say the Dolphins go 11-6 and six and win a playoff game. That sounds pretty good, right? Um, I, I would just cautiously remind you that Baker Mayfield's third season in Cleveland in 2020 saw Baker Mayfield drop a line that was 3,700 yards, 29 total touchdowns, the team went 11 and 5 and won their first playoff game in 20 years. And you fast forward 16 to 18 months and look at Baker Mayfield now. The team so ready to move on that they made the trade that they made uh, and have left themselves with Baker Mayfield's fifth year option with this untradeable contract and zero leverage because they've already moved for another quarterback. And I understand. Tua Tungvaloi is a unique player to Baker Mayfield, although I do think Baker Mayfield has got a little bit of a raw deal. Uh, he played all of last season hurt. I think the team was more than willing to run him out there once the season trended the way that it did and was content to let him uh, be a bit of a red herring for whatever issues, other issues were present on the team and let him take the heat. But um, part of the whole appeal of drafting a quarterback is to get that quarterback on a rookie contract because you're financially not invested in a starter, hopefully a quality starter, the way that you would be if you were paying for a quality starter that comes elsewhere onto your team. So the urgency to push play on a contract extension for me, for Tua, even if he plays well next year, it's going to be one-third of his career workload and I don't think the sample size is going to be enough for me to have confidence even if he plays really well because again I go back to Maker Mayfield he set the rookie touchdowns passing record the year that he was a rookie and he didn't even start the entire season I think he started 13 games then he had a down year and then he had the 2020 season that had the almost the exact stat line that we're asking about if Tua gets does he get a contract extension fast forward 18 months the conditions change because again the sample size is very small and now Cleveland can't get rid of Baker Mayfield quick enough, except they picked up his fifth-year option and are kind of saddled with it. And they made a move before they got rid of him. And they didn't handle that part of this business particularly well. But for Tua Tungvaloa, there's also the component of 
what would you pay him with a contract extension versus what financially are you obligated to give him? Because you have to remember the way the collective bargaining agreement is set up for rookie contracts. The Dolphins have a guaranteed two more years of contractual control for Tua Tungavaloa after this season if they want it. They could have up to four years of guaranteed contractual control over Tua Tungavaloa if they want it. And here's the way, so let we need to weigh everything out. We need to hold everything across all of our options. The way the fifth-year options work is you have four tiers. You have a base level and three incentive tiers, all that, as you achieve them, log you higher returns. Uh, the base tier is the bottom tier. It's we're going to give you the fifth-year option. You bet none of the performance incentives. The highest tier is if you make more than one Pro Bowl across your first three seasons, you get the highest tier, which is equal to the franchise tag value for your respective position. Here's what I can tell you. Tua Tungvaloa, assuming he stays healthy and plays this season, regardless of the performance that he puts on the field, he needs to play a minimum of 50% of the Dolphins' offensive snaps this year, and he will qualify for Tier 1 incentive which would eliminate the cheapest of the, the four options for fifth-year option, but he has not made a Pro Bowl, so he will not be making multiple Pro Bowls in this three-year window. So you can already ax off the top. So he's either going to be, if he gets hurt and misses more than half the season, he will be a Tier 1 extension cost. If he plays 50-plus percent of the Dolphins' offensive snaps, he's a Tier 2 extension cost. And if he makes a Pro Bowl, he's a Tier 3 extension cost. What do those financials mean? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked, but I got to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's Major League Baseball, all the NFL fights, NFL futures, you name it, golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. If he gets hurt, we can we can base this off of this past year's performance incentives. This past year's, uh, if you were a tier one quarterback, your cost was $19.6 million. That number is calculated from the average of the third to 25th highest salary at that position across the last five years. Okay, so as new contracts are signed and they reset the market and it pushes up, that number will increase. But Kyler Murray, had he not made any Pro Bowls and he not met the perform the playing time incentive, uh, his base level fifth year option from the year before Tua would have been nineteen point six million dollars. Okay, with the playing time incentive, that nineteen point six goes to twenty two point three eight. That is calculated from the third to the 20th highest salaries of that position over the last five years. There's three separate ways that you can meet that performance incentive. You can be 75% snaps or higher in two of your first three seasons, an average of 75% or higher across all three seasons, or hit 50% or greater across all three seasons. Tua, his first year was 55% of all offensive snaps for the Dolphins. So he's he's not going to hit that 75% threshold 
unless he hits 75% this year. But all he needs because he was over 50% his rookie season, and he was certainly over 50 all he needs is 50% to qualify. And he'd get a three-year bump on the year, the, the fifth year, uh, or a $3 million bump on the fifth-year option. If he makes a Pro Bowl, you're talking about another $5 million in a bump. And that cost is not equal to average salaries of X through Z uh, at your position over a five-year sample size. It's the cost of the transition tender. So when a player is a, a free agent for the first time, teams have the option, and not even the first time, I think there's, I think it's a 10-year cap. Um, 10 years of tenure. If you're under 10 years of tenure and you're said to be a free agent. The teams have the option to hit you with the franchise tag, which is the one everybody is very familiar with, or the uh, transition tender. The transition tender is a little bit different. It's got a little bit more flexibility for negotiations with other teams. And then your, you as the, the team uh, who has that player's rights originally has a right to match. Uh, that transition tender for the quarterback position last year was $27.18 million. And I tell you all of this because while we don't have some of those other values just yet, for what Tua's economic options will be, we do have a projection for the transition tender for next year. So if Tua makes the Pro Bowl, his fifth-year option will be $28.3 million, according to the projection from OverTheCap.com. Good problem to have. If he does not make the Pro Bowl, and you keep that rate of growth, uh, you could project him, assuming he stays healthy, to a fifth-year option cost of $24 million, assuming he hits the 50% threshold. So let's let's operate under the assumption that Tua stays healthy, and he gets this 3,800 yards and 30 touchdown threshold that we're all talking about. You're going to pay him what he's due on his fourth year, and then with the fifth year, you can choose to pay him twenty-four. Or $28.5 million, the $4.5 million strike zone, depending on whether or not he makes the Pro Bowl this year. What he's due in his fourth year of his contract is $4.7 million in cash. So you're going to talk about $30 million for the next two years, plus the option to exercise the, the franchise tag up to twice if you want to. And I hope. I hope if the Dolphins do choose to exercise a fifth-year option, they are tempted to use the franchise tag because that means the Dolphins are playing winning football and they want to retain their quarterback. I hope we get to a long-term... I hope they don't negotiate the contract and we get to a point where we say, oh, gee whiz, we got to pay two of $44 million a year. What a great problem to have. you got a quarterback worth $44 million, right? But I say that to say this. You can pay two a... For the next two years with the fifth year option between 28 and 30 million dollars in cash no questions asked for two years or you could sign him to a contract extension that would presumably 
for 2023, if he hits these arbitrary numbers that we've presented, give him a signing bonus that is going to be greater than all of the money, a signing bonus that would be equal to all of the money you would have to pay him for the next two years. And then at that point, the franchise tag, let's probably call it 30, $33 million per season for each of the next two seasons after that. So you could theoretically get a, not a math guy, four-year contract for $90 million from Tua if you let him play the fourth year, exercise the fifth-year option, and use the franchise tag in consecutive seasons. Again, I'm not a math guy. But if he becomes the player we hope he's capable of being, and he's going to get, I'll call it 95. It's an average of $23.4 million per season over the next four years after this year. Does not even include this year. If you pay two to a contract extension, you can add another $10 million onto that because that's kind of just the economic rate of, of quarterbacks. So I ask that question. I, I point, spell all that out to say this. What's the point of putting yourselves on an accelerated clock by paying two at a contract extension when even if he balls out this year, plays all 17 games, and the Dolphins win a bunch of games? It's going to be one-third of the years that he's been in the league. And the last two years, while, yes, there are conditions that were not ideal and he was not surrounded by good talent, they still exist. They still happen. There were still durability issues. There was still growth that we needed to see. The sample size for me, I don't it, I don't know what platform you're ever going to get on and, and sell me on the idea of, hey, Tua balls out in 2022. We got to give him a contract extension now. Because it kind of flies in the face of the entire reason why you tore down the roster and were committed to drafting a quarterback so that you could have a quarterback who's potentially a quality starter on a rookie deal and not be economically invested in him and pay him $45 million a season. Why would you why would you accelerate your clock in that regard? So I, I don't know where the push has come from, but I'm gonna push back on it a little bit and say, hey, this is not about being pro Tua or anti-Tua or being skeptical or a hater or being a Tua non-member or anything along those lines. This is just if you sit down and look at the economics of what options the Dolphins are gonna have, based on what he has and has not shown, and based on the sample size, no matter what he plays like this year. Can we get consecutive years? Can we get a consecutive years of high-level play before we even put this on the table? That's what I would advocate for. And yeah, you look at how the Dallas Cowboys handled Dak Prescott, and you, you'll sit there and say, hey, man, we, we knew two years ago you guys should have signed Dak Prescott to a contract extension. But you didn't do it, and now you cost yourself some, a couple million dollars per season. I would rather be in that boat with Tua than overcommit too quickly and then find ourselves looking at potential transitions and finding ourselves in the shoes that the Cleveland Browns are in. I'd rather pay him too much because he's earned it than pay him too much and make him more difficult to move away from if things don't break the way that we hope that they could. Obviously, a lot of layers here, a lot of, a lot of really interesting dynamics and factors at play. Here's the other interesting part of this for me with the decision with Tua Tungvaloa. We've seen, and the Denver Broncos did this with Garrett Bowles. 
they did not exercise their fifth year option and then got a contract extension done because he balled out in year four. We haven't seen a lot of teams embrace this thought process, but there's a part of me where you could get to the end of year three, still not have the clarity that you need while still acknowledging, hey, this player might still be really good. And let me ask you a question. If Tua plays 12 games this year, gets hurt, misses some time, uh, it's been unfortunately been a part of the process for him his first couple of seasons. But say he plays 12 games, and he plays reasonably well in those 12 games. But you now you now you have the durability question that has really sunk its teeth in. What's to stop you from not exercising the fifth-year option, knowing full well you can just exercise the franchise tag at the end of year four if you get the clarity that you need, or sign the extension? The Broncos did it with Garrett Bowles. They turned down the fifth-year option, and then Garrett Bowles played really well, and it was like, hey, well, never mind. I guess we're, you're, you're staying. You've earned a contract. The difference, say Tua plays this year, and he plays over 50%, but he does not make the Pro Bowl. His playtime fifth-year option cost, we are projecting to be $24.5 million. The franchise tag value for 2024, which would be his fifth year, but if you turn down the fifth-year option, is about going to be about $33 million. So you're talking about an $8.5 million discrepancy between if you act at the end of this year or if you decline the option and then decide you want the guaranteed fifth year, but you don't want the long-term contract anyway. Sorry, I'm way in the weeds here, but I'm just thinking out loud. Would you rather prematurely make the commitment? And I don't have the answer. I'm just I'm giving you all the options. So depending on where you personally fall onto a tongue below, you can make up your mind for yourself. There is a pathway here where you turn down the fifth year option to a place well in his fourth year, and then you exercise the franchise tag immediately. Now, there will be those pundits who say, wow, lack of foresight from the Dolphins, they cost themselves $8.5 million. But $8.5 million in the grand scheme of things, especially if he earns the franchise tag, you're probably going to hit him with the contract extension, and that just becomes the base rate for a signing bonus. Now, you can, you can build that into being the contract extension, kind of the groundwork for the guaranteed money, because the franchise tag, the way that works is it's 100% fully guaranteed money, whether you sign a new contract or not. So any signing bonus that you get, you have to have that. That's the floor for how much guaranteed money you get on a new contract anyway. So instead of paying to a fifth-year option that we have to make the decision on after this year, you could choose and pay him 24 and a half. You could choose to bypass it, not have the risk of, hey, Tua regresses in year four, in year two under Coach McDaniel. We really feel like we're ready. We want to go get somebody else to, to play quarterback and, and potentially take us to a Super Bowl if that's how you think this is going to play out. And now, now you have $24.5 million on the book for a guy you're transitioning away from, and that might be hard to, to get somebody else to take via trade, which we're seeing with the Sam Darnolds of the world and the Baker Bayfields of the world as those teams are getting ready to transition away from those quarterbacks. And instead, you, you could just let the fourth year play out, and if he earns it, 
use the $33.5 million as the base for your launch point for a contract extension, give him, a sign, uh, give him that as his signing bonus and extend it. That's exactly what the Broncos did with Garrett Bowles. So you have options here. And because you have all these options, I don't ever see a world in which I'm going to get to the end of the rainbow in 2022. Like, maybe you win us a Super Bowl, then okay. Like, yeah, let's let's talk about it. Let's put that on the table. If Tua wins us a Super Bowl, and he's a big catalyst for it, yeah, let's talk about a contract extension. But that's about the only outcome for me in which I think it's going to be necessary. Otherwise, you're going to have all this optimal flexibility. Now, I would be inclined if he hits the numbers that you afforded uh, in this hypothetical, yeah, I'd probably hit him with the fifth-year option and just take the $24.5 million and lock him in for two more years, knowing full well I, he's, I, he's on a two-year, $29 million contract from there. And then we'll make another decision after 2024 to say, hey, long-term contract time, franchise tag time, tag and trade time, let you walk time. I'm in no rush to make that long-term commitment. And I know a lot of fans, like, they're ready for Tua to be good. They want Tua to be good. I want Tua to be good. I want to have this problem where we have to say, gee whiz, how are we going to make a, a winning roster with a $50 million-a-year player at quarterback? What a great problem to have. But I'd rather get there than expedite that unnecessarily when you have so many options at your disposal. Now... We went way down the rabbit hole. But Bod, and I'm just going to call you Bod because I don't know how to say the rest of it. Well, the uniform question is going to bring us back on track. We're running out of things to discuss, so I have an aesthetics type question. Do you have a favorite Dolphins uniform, a uniform you love? I miss the old logo, but I did enjoy the dark blue alternates from the early 2000s. Um... Yeah, any anything with the the retro logo, not the cartoon dolphin either, but anything pre what 95, I'm all about that business. All about. I love them all. I love all the looks. Uh a uniform I love was the was the color rush of the traffic cones. I um try not to think about it too much. Our next question comes from D Leon. Danny Father of Maya, who still talks about you answering her video question about the Dolphins while holding your daughter. I've always admired the intellectually honest approach you take with delivering us con content to us Dolphins fans. Now I need you to put that aside for a moment. My gut tells me this team is going to be a lot better than what some pundits are predicting. Fan to fan, what is your gut telling you about the Dolphins? Keep up the great work. My gut says this is a double-digit win team. That's what my gut says. Um, the defense being as strong as it is, the explosiveness of the skill players, injuries could make that hurdle hard to clear. But my gut tells me this is a 10 or 11 win football team. Now, I'll be reserved and say 10 or 11, and I hope that they surprise. Uh, of the last three seasons, I oversold the Dolphins last year by two games uh, with my win-loss projection. I had them 11 and 6 last year. And then the two years prior to that, I undersold them by a game apiece. I had 9 and 7 and 4 and 12. They went 5 and 11 and 10 and 6. So my three-year sample size, I'm right on the nose. I'll shade to the bottom end and challenge them to make me uh, a game short on, on my expectations for them 
yet again. Uh, Dolphin Ray <laughs> uh, with a five-star review. I had to laugh when this one came through. Um, I don't know why it was a one-star review last week, but he asked me, a, a, he or she, I should say, asked me a very important question. And they asked it again in here. Uh, but he did want to clarify and said, uh, my utter dismay was a one-star review of the show. I would never leave the GOAT one lousy star. Question, repeat again. Worth asking again, since now we're on the same page. Does Gronkowski have the angle? And the answer is emphatically no, which you absolutely positively hate to see. You still don't. Chad, Kyle, I love the steal a player series the other week, but when it came to the New Orleans Saints, how could you steal anyone other than our sweet Prince Kirk Merritt? Honestly, I think he'd be a great fit in our yak-centered offense. Nonetheless, keep up the great content. Uh, yes, uh, Kirk Merritt, obviously, as a well-established Kirk Merritt stand along with so many of you, uh, would have been the first choice, but I wanted to give everybody else uh, on the Saints roster a little bit of recognition. Uh, but I am absolutely positively rooting for Kirk Merritt to make the most of his opportunity in New Orleans, and I do miss him dearly on these off-season rosters for the Dolphins. Our last question of the day comes from Mike765 from Denmark. Okay, I did not. I did not cheat and look ahead on this one, uh, and I probably should have because um, uh, there's a lot of words here. But let's get it. I finally think we have a team where they have really limited the number of pieces where the risk is high that things will fail miserably. Right now, I'm looking at two spots where if it goes right, they could even challenge Buffalo. Even though I do think they fall a little short on defense, I think Jalen Phillips is the key. I think Holland is too natural to anything other to do anything other than progress. But if Phillips can get better against the run, he is on the field 70% of the snaps or more. I think he becomes a dominant pass rusher. If that happens, I think they could be a top five defense because now they can go from blitz heavy to dropping seven and getting there with four pass rushers, and they are already much harder to game plan for. On offense, I think it's Eichenberg. I expect with coaching and another year that Jackson gets a little better, and that's all probably fair. Uh, he should be the worst of the group, but by strengthening the left side, we can give him more help. However, by moving Eichenberg to guard, I think we raised his floor and maybe lowered his ceiling. I think that's, yeah. Based off his play last year, I don't think that's an unfair statement either, Mike. If he can manage to be an average starter, we would have an above average line. And with our skilled players, that's enough. If you had to pick two spots on the team where the potential variability and outcomes would affect the overall team success, what would you choose? That's great. Question. I love that you showed your process to, to get you to where you came in on this. Uh, I, I think it's the right tackle spot um, with Austin Jackson. Uh, I'm a little bit more accepting of an unknown at guard just because he's going to have pillars on both sides of him. And for a team that's going to run the football, I expect that he will assimilate okay in that component. Um, being protected on both sides by athletic offensive linemen and Connor and, and Teron. Uh, but the right tackle spot, especially that being to his blind spot, that is the spot for me that is a big question mark and I don't have a lot of confidence in. As far as the other spot, I think I would probably acknowledge that Mike linebacker spot. That Elaine and Robert spot on the defense, obviously he took the dive into the fish tank and it was really great to listen to him uh, give some perspective. And, and and I've said this plenty. I think Elaine and Roberts has plenty of NFL roster value, but I think as a starting linebacker, 
that's a replacement level opportunity that you have. So Elandon is, is somebody I would love to continue to be on this football team, but I would love nothing more than to see Channing Tindall assimilate quickly into that role. And he has not played much football. I think he's played like 700 snaps the last two years of college football, like 500 last year. I think it was just under 200 the year before that in 2020. But if he can assimilate into that spot and hit the ground running, great. But if he doesn't, then you're either going to have a platoon. You're going to have the limitations that Elanin provides you, the inconsistency that Tindall would provide you. And I think that is more of a block and a hurdle to being really multiple with what you're doing with the same personnel on the field. Because that's your, like, it's it's not like it's your third linebacker, it's your second linebacker. You're going to need two guys who can play on the B level on the defense regardless. So those would be the two that I would shout out. Hey, by the way, as we bring this thing down to a close, want to shout out the Dolphins. They released their public training camp schedule. The 30th, the 2nd, the 3rd, the 5th, the 6th, the 7th, and then like the 24th and 25th. Uh, so the 30th of this month, a.k.a. four weeks from tomorrow, or if you're listening on Saturday, four weeks from today. And then the 2nd, 3rd, 5th, 6th, 7th. The 2nd, 3rd, 5th, 6th, and 7th. I will be there. And I hope to see you there as well. So plan accordingly. And fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Cop grabs. Thanks as always for listening to the show. Have a great weekend. Talk with you guys again on Monday.